to hold these truths to be self-evident. A date which will live in infamy. Ask not what your country can do for you. That's one small step for man. Because people have got to know whether or not their presidents are crook. Tear down this wall. Read my lips. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The education government schools failed to give you. This is WTN University. Masters in Divinities, the life of Mohammed the Sira. Why? Because you can't understand the news. You can't understand the Quran. You can't stun- understand nothing, honey, until you understand the life of Mohammed. What did Mohammed do? What did Mohammed say? Not what a Secretary of Defense or a Secretary of State or a President of the United States or the leader of CARE or this person or that. What would Mohammed say? It's been an amazing journey, and it's our final class in the course of the life of Muhammad. Being taught by Dr. Bill Warner from PoliticalIslam.com, author of the book, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, one heck of an American, uh, online at uh, Facebook at Bill Warner, author. And, uh, of course, you can always find him online at PoliticalIslam.com. And it was great to meet your daughter. She's a wonderful daughter. Your mom always said the same thing my mom says, you know, because I'm her baby. She goes, you're 51. Your brother's 53. Your other brother's 50. How did I end up with 50-year-old kids? Yeah. Can't understand it. Well, and, I, have to, I have 40-year-old children. Yeah. So I'm like, how did that happen? How did that happen? One day at a time. That's <laughs> One day at a time. Well, days are long, but life is short, is it not? And you really need to start aging. Well, I'm working on that. I have to work as hard as I can. It's not working. It's not. You still I can't, have, I can't figure if what I'm doing is going to extend you, my life or shorten it. While you lack my fashion sense, <laughs> you, certainly have, you certainly have more energy. Uh, this is uh, let me let me start because we're going to go through some things that are in the news. Uh, we finally had the United States Congress acknowledge the genocide of what Christians, forcing the State Department and the administration to do so. We'll get to that in a little bit. We also have a Tennessee lawmaker that wants ISIS to be allowed to recruit on our college campuses, but which I agree with. Yes, it's an interesting take you have on this. Um, but let's go through this Taste of Islam, Life of Muhammad. We're wrapping up our final class, which really, by the way, the final chapter is basically a review. Um, what a fascinating journey it's been from birth uh, to revelation to uh, being mocked to being one of many religions to demanding being the only one to becoming a political overthrower, a thief, an enslaver, a rapist, to a bloodthirsty warrior, to a very detailed strange guy. You know, there are times you would say, you know, Muhammad was really brilliant at manipulating people and understanding people. He was really brilliant as a war planner. Um, he was brilliant that he would make the rules and change them as they went along to fit whatever his desire was. Um, but how, how would you begin to do uh, from birth to death to what he is today at the centerpiece of a very dangerous false religion that is the world at war? Where would you begin to summarize? Well, I, I have a very short summary, which I've given many times of his life. He was an orphan <clears throat> who became the first ruler of all of Arabia. He, uh, he preached the religion of Islam for 13 years and converted 150 Arabs to Islam. Then he went to Medina, where he became a jihadist and a politician. And this is clearly laid out. I, I always say this. I'm not making this up. And then he averaged an event of violence on the average of every six weeks for the last nine years of his life and wound up ruling all of 
Arabia and creating what we now know as Islam. His religion didn't work out so well. If he had only stayed a religious preacher, there would be no Islam because when he died, there'd be, there would have been fewer than 1,000 Muslims. But he found the perfect combination of politics and religion, which, by the way, you're getting ready to go to Washington, and I told you when you see the Constitution, that's a document designed to create non-Muhammads so that we don't have Pope King sitting in the same chair. Sure. But he created that. He was and remains today uh, the two most the two most influential individuals who've ever lived. I would have to say are Muhammad and Jesus. It's uh, you can throw in some others. Well, but, I don't have to tell you that I'm sticking with Jesus, but well, I can understand that <laughs> in terms of influence. No, no, absolutely. But uh, you know, to me, I would handpick some different things. I, when we did this, I think our goal was simple. Um, Nobody on a campus at a university will teach the life of Muhammad. Nobody in Hollywood will do a movie on the life of Muhammad. It is which simple. is a tragedy. Yeah, and, and and by the way, as you said, you know, there's some. There really was some really juicy. Uh, you know, I, I see some stuff in the scripts of Nashville, and I'm like, you know, in one year this person has slept with seven people, and one year this person <laughs> fell off a building, this person got corrupt and ended up in jail. Um, but I mean, it has everything. It really is. Like, as you say, it's one of the juiciest, craziest. I mean, if you love violence, if you love sex, if you love intrigue, you have spies, spies, counter spies, secret agents. Yeah, I mean, you can't make this. Slavery, sex slavery. I mean, torture. I mean, you. Roots looks looks one dimensional compared to this (laughs) as a miniseries. But no, I go back and and I say our goal was, you know, we wanted people to see that everything that's in the news is explainable in the life of Muhammad. Everything. And um, and so that kind of came out uh, for me. If I had to pick some things, and it's hard because when you study something every day, uh, it's hard to learn things new. Um, but you know, connecting the dots of why you know he robbed the caravans, knowing that he worked for the caravan. I didn't know he worked for the well, caravans no, he, when he it was, was young. his business. So he, of course, he knew how to rob. It's like, we have a problem right now with bank tellers stealing identity information and selling it for profit. And so we're finding out that a lot of the identity theft is being linked to bank tellers. And it, and when I heard that, I thought of Muhammad because, you know, he knew these caravans and he knew how, where they were vulnerable, when they were vulnerable, and how to rob them from working there. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know the help of the one, you know, because he, he claims to have this revelation. He's really kind of mocked. I mean, you talk about he only really converted a 1,000 people, but he was really mocked. Why? Because, you know, this wasn't that long after Jesus. And so here's this guy who claims God woke him up and an angel spoke to him and revealed God to him and revealed this new religion. And then they were all like, okay, well, that's all real and good. And we've got 360 gods. And if you want to be 361, fine, you're no threat. But, you know, at least do something. You know, I mean, you just got to love the nature of people. You know, do something. You know, Jesus turned water to wine. He walked on water. He raised a man from the dead. He healed the blind. Do something. Do a miracle for us. And, of course, you know, his only miracle was, I'll kill you. <laughs> but, you know, the the mocking and then the backing he got from that one guy, I can't remember his name now, that kind of covered his back. Abu Bakr? Yeah, Abu Bakr. And then he stabs him in the back, you know, after the guy gives him the backing of legitimacy when he leaves and goes to Medina. Oh, no, you're thinking about, uh, you're thinking about his uncle, Abu Talib. Yeah, uh, the uncle. I mean, yeah, yeah. all that guy did. And then I will really always be taken um, by the one brother who his, you know, his, the guy was so inspired by Muhammad right. that he would betray and kill for him. And the, guy, and the guy's natural reaction was, oh, man, if he would do that, this guy's, we got to follow this guy. In other words, the, um, I don't know what it is, the seduction of violence, the seduction Well, it's of, what Osama bin Laden calls, people love a strong horse. Yeah. And so he was a strong horse. 
and there is a certain degree of admiration. I mean, do you realize how many people admire the mythical mob in terms of how it's portrayed in Hollywood? I mean, they kind of like they like those guys. I would just like to say, as an Italian American, I appreciate you calling it the mythical. Mob. <laughs> well. The mob was actually funkier than they show it in the movies. That's the reason I say that. I know some people have been off by the mob. But giving you my two examples, uh, the caravan, the uh, the uncle that supported him that he later just tossed away, dismissed him, uh, the bait and switch, you know, the way they would always come in, real nice, peaceful, we're one of many, and then it turns and there is no other allowed. But what are the little things that stick out to you? I'm just I, – you do this all the time right. in prepared, paid – presentations, but personally, as a human being, the things in his entire life that they just stick, you just never forget those stories. The, th- the one that sticks out to me most was he developed a concept which seems to be in front of everyone's face and yet is completely invisible. And that is the concept of dualism. There are two Muhammads. There are two Qurans. Now, when we say this, the Quran written in the early Quran is quite poetic it has a lot in it about hell, which is unpleasant, but some of it is actually has good advice. You go, yeah, I'll, I'll go along with that. But there are two Muhammads. Then there was the later Muhammad who, if you disagreed with this theological argument, you could die. The reason this is so confusing to Americans is, is they're used to, when you study the story of Jesus, which is the other sort of peg that people hang the life of, well, he's kind of like Jesus, right? But Jesus was so consistent. Mm. He had total integrity. Integrity cannot be defined within Muhammad. Well, let's just put flawless consistency with Old Testament prophecy, thus fulfillment, uh, flawlessly consistent, consistent in all the things that he taught, where, and where critical thinking is what you're wanting to address in the West. So, like, if Jesus was early teaching, you know, love your enemy as yourself, or uh, if you want to live, die, seek first the kingdom of God, and then, you know, go forth and share this good news that people can find once and for all blood coverage for their sin, once and for all eternal security through my death, burial, and resurrection. And then let's say 10 years later, um, you know, he starts talking about, eh, you know, if these people won't accept Christianity, if they won't be in my father's house, go ahead and take their wives and rape them. Uh, have multiple wives. Kill the I'm, high priest. I'm sleeping with prostitutes. Yeah, kill anybody that doesn't believe. Take their stuff. Take their money. Burn their churches. You know, all that stuff. We would say, well, he was definitely a nut. Now, as it is today, he's either a liar, He's you know, and for the reason he was crucified, he claimed to be the son of man, the son of God, and one with the Father and, and deity. And so then that was blasphemy, and he was prosecuted to death. Um, he's either that, a liar and a lunatic, or he is who he claimed to be. It's one or the other because of what you're talking about, critical thought and consistency through life, death, suffering, death, miracles in between, a body that can't be found, and a body that was witnessed by over 500 people resurrected. Um, but that's not what you get with Muhammad, and, and well, yet and nobody confuse, seems it to— It confuses people. So if Muhammad was good, then he was good. That's the way our mind is trained to think in the West. You can't have contradiction like you were just describing. But how do they get away with, you know, here's a guy that did everything, you know, like Islamic State. Uh, They'll walk into a town and they'll just start killing Christians. Line them up, cut their heads off, burn them alive, drown them and film it. They'll do all this stuff. And and then they'll say, well, that's – the president of the United States will say, the media will say, everyone will say, professors will say, that's not Islam. Islam is a peace-loving religion. This has been hijacked, distorted. This is not Islam. And anybody that says it's Islam – and you're like, well, wait a minute. But Muhammad did it. Right. And if he is the perfect Muslim, 
How can you claim that this is not Muhammadism at its best? Well, you, they, the error is that they say Islam is a religion of peace or this or that. Islam is the doctrine put forth by Muhammad in the Quran. That's what Islam is, not what the State Department says it is, not what Obama says it is. Well, they'll so, even say Islam is peace. It means peace. Islam means submission. Right. But I mean, I, <laughs> so what I'm saying is I understand, and I think you're right, a lot of it is there. he got away with being dualistic. They get away with being dualistic. We're critical thinking. Um, how does this sell? How do they get away with it? You know, why does everybody play along and hush-hush? Um, but, but the reality is, like, even terms like that, how do they get away with lying? And so people are all walking around thinking Islam means peace when it means submission. And there's no peace until you've either died or converted. Well, the reason they can <clears throat> think that is, is they don't know the story of Muhammad. And uh, that's the reason I've been so, so delighted me, that we're able let to Let me ask you, how there. many Muslims on earth today know what all of our listeners know from just going through your life of Muhammad the Syrah? Very few. Really? Now, see, that shocks me. Well, why would it shock you? Because what they do is, is they're told not to ask difficult questions. That's, that's a command in the Sharia. And so you go to the imam for your instruction. You don't go to the you, – you're not to do it yourself. You depend on the imam. So the when imam these Muslims are listening and they're sending me emails saying, you're teaching a lie. This is not Islam. In their yeah. mind, they think I'm really making this stuff up? Yes. And in their mind, they're right. Because why would the imam lie to them? I mean, that has to be their thought. Do they, they have Qurans in their house? Uh, we don't know how much they read it. They recite it. I mean, I can recite to you religious ritual in two other languages, both Sanskrit and others, but that does not mean, and Tibetan, but that doesn't mean I understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so this has been enlightening for me. All right, when we come back, and by the way, Muhammad, it should be enlightening for everybody. I mean, one of the things. I thought most of them, I don't know why I think that they know it. Um, no, 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 no. It's no, not no. a convenient time for them. So, by way of takia, they're. So, when we talk about, like, well, they, they know this, they're just, it's, it's a time of takia and they don't have enough population, enough leverage. They'll eventually get to that just as Muhammad did in Medina. Um, what you're saying is only the imams are there. Right. The actual followers, not so much. No, so. no, no. They don't, they're not even encouraged to read this. I mean, when you. I. I'll bet you there's not a Muslim in all of Nashville who's read the Sarah. They've read bits and pieces of it here and there, but I bet you. Why would you one. devote your life and risk your eternity on something that you weren't curious enough to just go read? Well, if we could turn our eyesight over to Christians, how many of them? Actually... Well, amen. I got to let me punt real quick on that. One. <laughs> all right, uh, the life of Muhammad, the Sarah. You can't understand the news. You can't understand Islam. You can't understand the Quran until you understand the life of Muhammad. And more of the Muslim beliefs come from the life of Muhammad and the Sarah than actually the Quran. Uh, we're going to do the final chapter, which is an amazing review of this entire course. When we continue with Dr. Bill Warner next on Super Talk ninety nine seven WTM. At Super Talk 99.7 Tom, you were just mentioning you got a call from a, a, a Muslim listener. Yes, sir. And it's a first. It was a compliment from a Muslim. And the comment? Compliment. Said he learned more from Dr. Warner than he t- typically has since becoming a Muslim a year ago. All right, so that's what we were talking about before the break. Uh, you know, I, I'll never forget when I became a born-again Christian at 13 years old. The things that struck my mother and father. Now they were, very, I, and now I look back. They, you know, were raised Catholic. They were worried I joined a cult. All right. So the first thing my mother saw me was with a Bible, and I'll never forget. She was like horrified that I had a Bible, and um, she was like, "Where did you get that?" And I said, "I went to a bookstore and bought it." Well, you're not supposed to read the Bible. I said, "Said who? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." 
Well, we're and, and of course in the era, and I'm not. This is not for Catholics to react to today. Um, but in her era growing up, the priest would give you scriptures. It would be in the program and in the homily, but you didn't necessarily have your own Bible. And you went to catechism, but you didn't have the Bible. And I said, well, it's the Word of God. Why wouldn't I delve into it? And then I would notice, she'd go, what's that? And I'd just explain, it's a concordance. What's that? It's a Greek dictionary. What's that? It's a commentary. What's Because I, as, as I accepted Christ, I wanted all of them. And so I wanted to study him. And so I just gathered my resources. So it, to me, and this may be a really strange analogy, but I'm sensing that that's what happens for a lot of Muslims. They get what they're hand-fed and hand-fed only from their imams. But I mean, this is 2016. You can go online. You can go into a bookstore. You can get a Quran. You can get a Sira. You can... But I guess they don't. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe most well, don't dare learn these things. These documents, the Sira, the Quran, the Hadith, are all put together in ways that are difficult to understand. And that's what I've, my, my goal in life is is to take difficult works and make them easy to understand. That's well, you've done it with the Quran. You've done it with the Sirah. How do you begin to do it with the Hadith? A lot of work. Yeah, that's the hardest of them all, is it not? Well, it was the most reading. There's, there are over 7,000 Hadith by Bukhari and seven by Abu Muslim, and I read all 14,000. Right, well, that's interesting. You know, most most Muslim thinks we're Muslims think we just make this up and we're lying. I couldn't make this up. I'm not really that creative, creative. And, no, that, and that we're scaring people. And, and I guess by doing this life of Muhammad. Now I knew going in, there's nobody's ever done a, you know, a life of Muhammad movie. Uh, nobody ever teaches life of Muhammad on campus. I mean, I knew that. I'm not an idiot. Um, I'm just shocked that Muslims haven't. This is like 34 percent of their beliefs, and this is news to them. Well, I hope to bring them the news. And by the way, do you realize in your own personal story there about using the Bible that you have recreated the intellectual revolution that came from the King James Bible? Christians invented and developed universal literacy for the sole purpose of being able to read the King James Bible. When we come back, uh, we want to look at the genocide proclamations that are in the news, and then we want to wrap up our final two chapters of WTN University, and it's been an amazing course. Uh, the Life of Muhammad the Sirah with Dr. Bill Warner from politicalislam.com. When we come back after the news, it's 1130 on Friday, March Madness the 18th. We know that in Mosul, Karakash, and elsewhere, Daesh has executed Christians. As John Kerry finally acknowledging uh, being forced by states like ours with proclamations and certainly by a unanimous vote of all Republicans and Democrats in the House that of Representatives. Me. Yeah, that it was unanimous uh, that ISIS is guilty of genocide of Christians. And again, uh, very discredited, very late to the table for the State Department and for the office of the president to make this acknowledgement now how it impacts any actions moving forward. Probably very little. The one thing I pointed out earlier in the week and I wanted to get your reaction to, uh, while everybody – now, first of all, ISIS calls themselves the Islamic State. And then, they are. And, yeah, and, and then, you know, at first they were the Islamic State uh, of uh, Iraq and Syria. Then they just shortened it to the Islamic State, the Caliphate. All right, so they say Islamic State. This president wouldn't even call them by their old name, ISIS, or really their origins, Al-Qaeda. He would always call them ISIL, Islamic State of Iraq and Levant. And the problem with that is this includes Israel. So that was, and the president was the only one ever calling it ISIL. And then eventually the media starts calling it ISIL and others start calling it ISIL. So now that they're forced to acknowledge that the Islamic State is targeting Christians in genocide, not that they're bringing any of them here for safety, I think only three Christians 
out of the 800 plus that have come since the Paris attacks. The rest have all been Muslims. All right, but then, you know, John Kerry, now he introduces you to Dash. And so now we've got the president saying ISIL and John Kerry saying Dash, which is really Daesh, which is an Arabic acronym for ISIS. Bill, this can only be that this administration will never use the term Islamic State because they never want Islam to be spoken. Well, we need to ask ourselves a further question. If Islamic State is really Islamic, then why are they harming Christians and subjugating them and taking them for sex slaves? You know what the answer is? Their prophet. Muhammad. Muhammad. All right. Now, now, by the way, Muhammad had two stages of relationship with the Christians. Are we surprised here? In the early stages, he simply debated with them. Now, what's tragic is in Nashville, Tennessee, I can find you Christian ministers who are willing to sit there and nod their heads yes while Muslims at interfaith gatherings tell them who Jesus really was. And they, so they, they, there are subjugated Christians, theologically subjugated Christians here in Nashville, Tennessee, who do not disagree with Muhammad. And, and as they cultivate uh, and uh, evolve, they'll find that the conversation will turn from debate to ultimatum. Let's, well, uh, let's well, go. That, that's what it did with Muhammad. Of course. By the way, why are they attacking Christians? Muhammad, after he subjugated all of Arabia, including the few Christians that were in it, what did he do? He then headed north into Syria to attack whom? The Syrian Christians. And there's probably nine out of ten people listening right now that had no idea Syria, like Turkey, was once a Christian nation. All right, so we learn in the life of Muhammad uh, several things, uh, and there's really nothing that ISIS or any other Boko Haram, Hezbollah, Hamas, any— uh, Muslim nation or Muslim terrorist organization does that Muhammad didn't first do, teach, and command. Uh, we get into the final two chapters of the life of Muhammad, the seer with Dr. Bill Warner, which kind of serves, uh, we'll do chapter 15, the tears of jihad, and then uh, the final chapter really is kind of uh, a formal review. Why don't you, why, let's finish this amazing course. It's been, it's been terrific. And you'll, and we learned very early on that, you know, there, there are those of the book, that'd be the Christians and the Jews, and uh, the Kaffirs, and um, so we're going to kind of walk into what what this life has led to uh, it, by influencing others. And and the reality is millions and millions of people killed. By the way, here's a question for all the Christians in the audience out there. How many Christians have died under jihad over 1,400 years? What is the answer? You don't know the answer, then I have a second question for you. Why don't you know? Mm. Why do you suppress the fact that 60 million Christians have died over 1,400 years? Nearly 2 million died in Turkey in the 20th century. Remember the 20th century, Michael? Mm -hmm. Well, they were killing them in Turkey. And by the way, Turkey, when the uh, bill came up for the resolution condemning in our state legislature— uh, the murder of Christians, they objected to Turkey ever being included in that. Or how about the strange bedfellows of African Americans and Islam? We're that's seeing it right weirdest. now with Black Lives Matter. <clears throat> oh, that's the weirdest. 120 million Africans killed by Islam. That's not even taking into account the 11 million slaves that were shipped across the Atlantic and 14 million that were uh, sent to Islamic nations in North Africa and the Middle East. I mean, and by the way, Islam being the only religion that still believes in slavery, uh, but their role in slavery and their slaughter of Africans to this day. Oh, it's still going on. Mauritania yeah. is still, I mean, there's still slavery in Africa. And uh, by Eight, the way, 80 million Hindus killed, 10 million Buddhists. Um, I mean, clearly, you know, when you do these numbers, uh, the total numbers are just, and this is an estimate, and it's probably worse. And, uh, but, to think that this religion has killed 270 million people 
in jihad. That's the legacy of Muhammad. Now, he killed many, and then he died. And then after his death, 270 million killed in 1,400 years. That's just astounding. What's more astounding is, and when I I first asked this question when I was doing my initial research, and I just asked a simple question, how many have died in jihad over 1,400 years? No one had an answer. And that's when I went, wait a minute. The most astounding thing is not how many have died, but no one is remembered. Anybody can go to any high school class, how many Jews died under Hitler? Many will raise their hands and they'll have some answer, even if it's not right or wrong, but they'll have a close estimate. But when you ask the same question at a church, how many Christians have died? Huh? They don't even know any have died. That's the most important thing. And in a nation under God with Judeo-Christian origins, what you went through, what others went through to get a proclamation done in the state of Tennessee, finally the vote in the House of Representatives to force a State Department and an administration to acknowledge something this obvious. Well... It, the, the whole thing, that there's two things astounding about Islam. One is the amount of knowledge that's available, but the most astounding thing is how many people not only don't know it, don't want to speak it or talk about it. We could not do this show that we've done on any university here in Tennessee, and yet universities are supposed to teach us critical thought. And right now what our universities teach us is you will think as the state tells you to think or you will be punished. Uh, that's tyranny. Final comments, submission and duality. Well, that's the two principles you have to understand about Islam. Everyone, see, that's the, if only Muslims had to submit to Islam, that would be like, okay, fine, like Seventh-day Adventist, fine, whatever, I don't particularly want to be that there. That was the whole thesis of your book, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, was that this is for you, not them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, it's all about us. That's, that's, see, that's what's weird about my approach to Islam. It's all about us, whereas other people when they study Islam say, oh, no, no, it's all about Muslims. Well, I say it's about me. I have a selfish viewpoint, perhaps, but I carry forth with it. Dual ethics? Uh, that's the most ruinous part. There's 12 verses in the Quran which say that a Muslim is never the true friend of a kafir. And that's the part I've said this more than once that sort of bugs me the most. Why not? I mean, really. The ethics of Islam are if it advances Islam, it's, it's moral. If it, if it restricts Islam, it's, it's immoral. And there's only really two <clears throat> lands, land of submission, land of war. That's exactly right. And we happen to live in Dar al-Harb land of war uh jihad um and where they get their beliefs i think this has been a breakthrough thing i hope people get Uh, you know we're used to not only being critical thinkers versus dual thought we're used to faith coming and faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of god Uh, i think anybody that's gone through this course with us will realize how little comes from the quran just 24 percent of their theological text comes from the quran whereas 67 percent of it comes from the seer of the life of muhammad you can't begin to understand the Quran. You can't begin to understand Islam, Muslims, the news of the day, or the war of the day until you understand the life of Muhammad because that's where the juice is. And by the way, every scholar without a single exception maintains that you cannot understand the Quran without knowing the life of Muhammad. And so uh, this is not some radical supposition we're advancing here. The, uh, we've talked about the successes of his peace and tolerance, very little. Political Islam, a little more jihad, ultimate um, – his mastery of the art of war and civilization and the way, overthrow. The, 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 there are four kinds of jihad advanced in the Sirah, the life of Muhammad. One is the sword, which is what stands out for most people. But we need to understand, we just were talking about uh, State Department recognizing that Islamic State is a killer of Christians. The most dangerous part of Islam is not Islamic State. I don't fear Islamic State in America. What I fear is the Muslim Brotherhood who uses the other three forms of jihad, money, 
written words and spoken words. They're the, by far the most dangerous. Your comment section ends with dimmies. I think that's a good place for us to end, too. The dimmy is the non-Muslim who is subjugated to live under the Sharia. Well, and by, isn't that what our leaders in Washington have placed us in? That's exactly correct. And it's a war for civilizations, and it's a war for not a portion of Israel or a portion of the world, but for all of the world. I mean, that's their... And by the way, I accuse those ministers here in Nashville, Tennessee, who will not speak to Islam as being dimmies. Why not talk about it? All right. By the way, uh, for those of you that want to read this yourself, uh, go to politicalislam.com. There's the Taste of Islam series. One in that series is the life of the Muhammad, the Sirah. And as we wrap up this course on WTN, we consider what our next course will be. Well, we, we, did, not we, run, did, we won't run out of material. No, but we did start slavery six years ago and never finished. Well, maybe we ought to finish it. What are our tra- what are, in the total in the whole series? There's life of Muhammad. There's slavery, the doctrine of women, the doctrine of the Christian of the Jew, the Hadith, and uh, a two-hour Quran. Now, these are all my little bitty books. I sell bigger books as well. Well, no, no, but I, I'm thinking either the Quran or women. What do you think? Either let's do women. Do you want to take a couple of weeks? Think about it. And well, uh, you, you are know. you are leaving. You'll you'll come back tanned and rested, right? No, but I will come back rested. <laughs> the Life of Muhammad, the Seer. I hope you've enjoyed this entire series on WTN University, Masters in Divinities, uh, with Dr. Bill Warner. And we will figure out the next course for you, and we'll be watching the news and making sense of it. But I assure you this. It's not what John Kerry says. It's not what Obama says. It's not what an anchor on a nightly news says. There's very few that understand it and very few with the courage to speak it. You want to understand why ISIS is doing what ISIS is doing or anybody else? You need to understand the life of Muhammad. Hope you enjoyed the course. Get a copy of the book yourself at politicalislam.com.